Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Lord, we just thank you for your word that is um, encouraging in these times and inspiring and brings revelation and transformation and I believe empowerment, which is, it's been really fun um, doing this because I've been kind of living it out as I'm going along. So it's been really awesome. But it started about October of 2019. The Lord started showing me the number 911 at least twice a day, morning and night, and just everywhere, all the time. And I was like, hmm. Like, I was just trying to ignore it because, to me, 911 has, like, a negative connotation. So I was just, like, just ignoring it. But I kept seeing it over and over again. But also, meanwhile, he had given me a dance to a song, uh, Fire in My Bones, Fire Dance, and about the fire falling. And he gave me a vision about the painting and a book to read that's about worship by Jeff Jansen. And so it was all just kind of coming together in my mind. And um, I felt like, well, I think he wants me to do like a Wednesday night thing and do the dance and and everything, and so I was thinking maybe October, because I've done things in October before, but then um, one morning, Sunday morning, uh, before worship, actually, I was walking down the hallway, and Tiffany was talking with Pastor Tom, and she was telling a vision about the fire falling, and I just, like, got zapped, and I was... I was like, that sounds like what the Lord's been speaking to me, and then during worship, he said, I've one of the reasons I've been giving you the number 911 is because I want you to do a night of worship on September 11th, 911. And so I was like, oh, awesome. And then he was like, I want you to talk with Sarah and ask her if she could play the song that has about, it's an emergency and there's a siren going and everything. So it was just kind of coming together. So I made an appointment and spoke with Pastor Tom and, and told him, because Sarah had said yes, and told him what I felt like the Lord was saying. He's like, yeah. And then the Lord has just started giving me all kinds of confirmations. And the first one was when William Wood came with his wife Chantal, and she had a word about 911. And then when she started saying it, I started getting zapped, and Sarah was, and we were like on the floor. And then it was Heidi Baker had a word about 911, and Lou Engel had a word about the fire falling at Pentecost, and then it was increasing and increasing and just burning brighter and brighter. Chuck Pierce had a word about. Uh, river of fiery glory going across the United States and also on the voice of the apostles their little video has a fire coming down a road and he's talking all about the fire and it's just been one thing after another and plus of course the year 2020 has been a 911 kind of year what with COVID and the riots and everything um but uh, the Lord reminded me 
of Alicia had sent me like a little link that tells about what the spiritual meaning of numbers are and to look up what the spiritual meaning for 911 is. And it's really good. So it's an urgency in the spirit, pray, a call to prayer, a call to decree what heaven is releasing as opposed to what darkness is trying to release, an urgency and grace for intercession, angelic protection, restoration of kingdom objectives, a call to decree restoration and rebuilding of God's design. Take note what you are talking about or planning when you see this, pray and call forth what God is saying and not what the enemy is pushing for. Psalm 91:11. for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Angelic protection. God has sent his angelic host to surround you and the assignment he has given you. Lean into peace and not fear. Peace be with you. Amos 9:11. In that day I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls from the ruins. I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. Restoration of promise, rebuilding of God's original intention, repair and healing of brokenness and repairing of broken kingdom structures, strategies and connections. Life being revived from the ruins like a phoenix rising up of a of a house and a people known for worship and a passionate devotion to the Lord. That's us. <laughs> A raising up of a people that would worship the Lord as David did, leading to radical revival and reformation. Again, a call to decree and pray. I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> and then I felt like the Lord said, I want you to call it Flashpoint. So I looked up, what does Flashpoint mean? And it says, in the firefighting community, there is a phrase to express a critical moment in the beginning stage of a fire. This moment occurs when the temperature gets to a certain level and everything combustible in a room spontaneously bursts into flames, spreading the fire instantaneously. This is called the flashpoint. So I felt like the um, purpose and the goal is, first of all, for each person to have their own personal encounter with the Lord, your own fire being lit, which is, I wanted to have some time tonight where we just soak in his presence and have an encounter with the Lord. And then the second part of the purpose is that on Friday, this Friday night, 9-1-1, we'll all come together and corporately with our own fires coming together and we'll have some fun kick some enemy butt, worship, just focus on Jesus with all of our hearts, and then get to that place where we're in the third heaven, and we hear from the Lord, and then we decree over this region and over America. So I kind of feel like it's a, a specific mission that the Lord has given us to do um, in this war over America. <laughs> So this was from the Passion, and it was the notes from 1 Corinthians 13.3. The Aramaic word for love is huba, and it is a homonym that also means to set on fire. 
it is difficult to fully express the meaning of this word and translate it into English. You could say the Aramaic concept is burning love or fiery love coming from the inner depths of the heart as an eternal energy, an active power of bonding hearts and lives and secure relationships. The Greek word is agape. We'll have the agape tribe on Friday, which describes the highest form of love. It is the love that God has for his people. It is an intense affection that must be demonstrated. It is loyal, endless, and an unconditional commitment of love. Feelings are attached to this love. It is not abstract, but devoted to demonstrating the inward feelings of love toward one another with acts of kindness. <laughs> First Corinthians 13.3, Until then, there are three things that remain— faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is incredibly patient. And the Aramaic can be translated, love transforms the spirit. So 1 Corinthians 13, 12, one day we will see face to face with God, like in, he was referring to when Moses saw him face to face, and the Hebrew word actually is mouth to mouth, and not in dreams or figures of speech, but it is a transforming love that will bring us all face to face and mouth to mouth with God. So one of the things that the Lord showed me over this time actually was uh, through Daniel Christian did a study on the book of Ruth and it was really awesome and he was researched the names because the Hebrew names have meaning so the Hebrew word for name is Shem which is a story or book so he was saying that your name is the story of your life and one day you're going to be standing before God and he's going to say how did you fulfill your name? And when he said that, I uh, just like complete unworthiness just came over me. And I was like, because I, I feel like the Lord gave me the name Mary Esther for sitting at his feet, listening, pouring out my alabaster flask of worship, and Esther is being married to the king. Um, intercession, a heart for Jewish people, and ministering to him. But I felt like, oh, he's so worthy. I just, uh, I'm not, you know, not doing enough to fulfill that. And it just felt so bad. And then when we got in the car, I told Ron how I felt. And he's like, that's a lie from the enemy. He said, he said, you are like that. And it was like immediately when he said that, whew, that thing just broke off of me because I was like, well, Ron, is, he's a kind, awesome, wonderful husband, and, but he doesn't say anything he doesn't mean, and he knows me. So it was like I felt better, but what I felt like the Lord was showing me too is that it's not about being perfect, but it's about having a humble heart and a teachable heart and saying, Lord, I come into agreement with who you say I am, what you say I can do. I need your help every moment of every day to fulfill that, but I'm, I'm going forward to that. So I believe that 
I'm more so now than I was and hopefully will be more so in the future. But um, the next day, I read this from Romans 13, and it said, Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. Once and for all, we clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. We must live honorably, surrounded by the light of this new day. Fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. So what you focus on and come into agreement with is what awakens. So focus on and come into agreement with what God says is true and who he says you are, and that awakens your destiny. And then... And the note in 1 Corinthians said, says that God's unending love always sustains us and gives us hope. Think how many of the problems in your life could be solved by embracing the revelation of love. May the love of God win every battle in your heart, bringing a full restoration of your soul into the image of God, for God is love. And then I've got a lot of different Bibles, and I'm at different stages of reading each one and, you know, different places, and, but it's amazing how they correlate. And uh, so I was reading in Isaiah 52 right after that, and it says, 1 through 2, wake up, wake up, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem, for unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck. So I was like, whoa, there's a lot about putting on clothes and taking things off. And what the Lord showed me was that Back before I was saved, the strategies that the enemy had against me was abuse. And he showed me that in the spirit realm, I had on a victim coat. And it was this thick, brown, ugly, scratchy, had like little thorns that poked me and hurt. And it was heavy and weighing me down and bulky. And you couldn't hardly see me. So that was the victim coat. And other spirits on other people see that, and those that have the manipulative or controlling abusive, they're drawn to each other. But he said, now you have on a mantle, and it's this beautiful, like, luminescent, sparkly, and the words that go with it is, I am chosen, I am loved, I am irreplaceable. And so he was showing me that that's the difference. And then I read in the Jeff Jansen book, right after that, we need to understand that every attitude carries its own power and vibration, which is recognizable in the realm of the spirit. It's not just an attitude. And this is, this is talking about in your heart, not just what you're saying or thinking or doing, but what's inside of you. It is a force that wraps itself around a person like a coat that continually pulls a person deeper into its power until they are completely overtaken by it. 
whether for good or bad. Every attitude we release is filled with vibrations, wrapping themselves around us like a garment, further enveloping us into its cocoon-like power. So the reason I wanted to share that is I feel like it's important that when we don't come into agreement with who God says we are, we're hurting ourselves and we're not living a happy, fulfilled life or fulfilling our destiny. But not only that, we are affecting everything around us, everyone around us, and we're actually, in essence, we're limiting, we're limiting God. We're putting him in a box and we're saying, oh, you can't do that through me because I don't come into agreement with what you're saying. But if we do come into agreement with who God says we are, and I believe it takes humility and bravery, actually, to be able to do that, then we positively will affect the atmosphere around us, our neighbors, our family, and it will advance the kingdom. So I was... Reading in the Passion Bible, and in Matthew 17, then Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered. A radiant light, as bright as the sun, poured from his face, and his clothing became luminescent, dazzling like lightning. He was transfigured before their very eyes. A radiant cloud composed of light spread over them, enveloping them all, and God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud, saying, This is my dearly loved Son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen to him. And the note says, Moses also went up a mountain and received an impartation of glory. And when I read that, my spirit was like, oh, I'm going to ask for that. <laughs> and then I read that Moses' face shone and had to be veiled. The transfiguration of Jesus is also part of our destiny. For the same Greek word is used twice for believers being transfigured by the renewing of our minds and by the glory of Christ within us that will complete our transformation into Christ's image. Romans 12:2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total transformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. 2 Corinthians 3.18 we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And the glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Which reminded me of our glow-in-the-dark dance, uh, glow dance that we're going to do on Friday. So Mark 9, 2, Jesus went up a high mountain to be alone, and Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered, for he was transfigured before their very eyes. His clothing sparkled and became glistening white, whiter than any bleach in the world could make it. So the Greek word for the radiant cloud that's in 
Matthew 17.5 overshadows episkiazo, which is used for the power of the Almighty overshadowing such as Mary, who conceived a child supernaturally by God. This was not a natural shadow created by the light of the sun, but the supernatural overshadowing of God's power. And so I'm believing for that for Friday night that we're going to get an impartation of glory. <laughs> so in 2 Corinthians 3, it's talking about how Moses went up the mountain and he spent time with God. And so the glory of the Lord shone on his face. It ended up fading, but he put on a veil so he wouldn't freak the people out. And he went down the mountain with the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on it, which is the law. So that was the old covenant, but we have a new covenant, and it's our glory doesn't fade. We don't have to wear a veil, and it is the the ministry of the work of the cross and the grace that comes with it. So the difference in that is on the day that Moses came down from the mountain, on that day he brought the law, 3,000 people were killed. On the day of Pentecost, when the fire fell, on that day, 3,000 people received new life. So the fire of God is good because it does for us what we can't do for ourselves. With, um, as much striving as you can try, we can't do that. But when we're in his presence and the way we're transformed is by gazing upon the beauty and the splendor of Jesus' face. And that's what transforms us. And, and I also, I did get my prayer answered, I believe, for my impartation of glory. I had a day that I set aside. I'm just like, going to do nothing but just ministering to the Lord, and I believe that he took me up to heaven, and it was so amazing that there aren't words that would do it justice, but then there also aren't words that I know of to even describe what happened. Um, one part of it, though, was... <laughs> The place that I was at was almost, if you could use like a man-made structure as opposed to nature, but it was like both at the same time, like almost one thing. And then I read in Song of Songs 1, 16 and 17, and it says, our resting place is anointed and flourishing it like a green forest meadow bathed in light. Rafters of cedar branches are over our heads and balconies of pleasant-smelling pines. And I was like, that's what it was like. Like it was both the natural and a place at the same time. And I just know how I feel that I feel different since I had that experience with the Lord. So this book, The Furious Sound of Glory, by Jeff Jansen is about worship, and it's awesome if you ever want to get it. And I'm one of the kind of people that likes to highlight, underline, circle, star, and like the, almost the whole book was. <laughs> so, but I put sticky notes on some of the pages that I felt like was relevant to what I feel God wants for this Friday night, 911. 
So I'm going to kind of start with like a little foundation and build up from there. So we know that Genesis 1, 1 through 3 reads, In the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, and brooding over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1, 1. So the spoken Word is matter that actually creates substance. So we can see when we speak out in faith, it comes out as energized matter that materializes into the natural realm. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is substance. It is the invisible substance from which your physical world was and is being created by Jesus Christ. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible, Hebrews 11.3. You have heard these things foretold. Now you see this fulfillment. And will you not bear witness to it? I show you specified new things from this time forth, even hidden things kept in reserve, which you have not known. They are created now, called into being by the prophetic word, and not long ago and before today you have never heard of them, lest you should say, Behold, I knew them, Isaiah 48, 6 and 7. So by our spoken word we can decree a thing and it will come to pass. You shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways, Job 22, 28. So Dr. Jeremy Begbie, who's a theologian and a professional musician, wrote, It is clear that music is one of the most powerful communicative media we have, and the depths of how it communicates and what it communicates we are just beginning to understand. So I believe that music is a language that is understood by both the seen and the unseen realm. It's a universal language that transcends all boundaries and unites the heart of God with creation, and angels can actually move on the power and the radiance of light. So music not only has the power to affect the world, music has the power to forever change it. And music itself, even without words, has a spirit. Um, Hollywood has capitalized on that by if they want to create the emotion of fear, dun, 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 you know, they play a music with that. Um, so this is actually from Psalms, and it's the introduction to Psalms from the Passion Bible. And it says that it could be called, the modern-day word could be, poetry on fire. <laughs> so the Psalms unlock mysteries and parables. For in the purest praise is the cryptic language of a wise messenger. The wisdom of God is contained in these 150 keys. You have a keychain with master keys to unlock God's storehouse of wisdom and revelation. It is the harp or anointed worship that releases divine secrets. 
Psalm 49, 4. I will break open mysteries with my music, and my song will release riddles soft. <laughs> so prophetic insights rest upon the Psalms. David's heart brings revelation and understanding to the people. Singers and dancers who tap into the insights of the Psalms will bring forth truths in their songs and dance which will break the hearts of people and release divine understanding to the church. The prophetic must be, the prophets must become musicians and the musicians and dancers must become prophets for the key of David to be given to the church. So if you think about if you put all these elements together you have music that has power spoken word and singing which have power and then if you add in prophetic movements with dance how powerful that all would be together so this little part that I just said I was saying out loud and reading and as I was it was actually the day after the hurricane and I was doing some cleanup so I was saying this stuff out as I'm uh doing the chores and everything for actually over and over again for a couple hours. And then I was like, well, I'm getting tired. I want to go take a little break. And I went inside and the power was still off. And so I'm thinking in my mind, oh, it'd be great if the air conditioner was on when I want to take my little break here. And then I thought, well, I'll pray and ask the Lord to restore it. And then I was like, no, what have I just been saying for these past couple of of hours, and I'm like, so I was very intentional in my heart, and so I was in my bedroom, and I have like a row of lights up over the dressing area, and I was like, let there be light, and as soon as my hands went up, the lights came on at that very instant, and I was like, wow, <laughs> I went running out to tell Ron, but it was, just, and I keep seeing in my mind the visual of my hand going up and the light flashing on at the same time, and the Lord just increased my faith about all of this through that, and it's just been fun. But um, so creation responds to the voice of love. So God is love, and his voice created everything. So atoms were birthed from love, and as created particles, they feel love and respond to it. Animals feel it, trees feel it, plants feel it, the atoms feel it, and they will cooperate with you and form into whatever you desire in love because they recognize our sonship position as being sons and daughters of the Creator and know that we have dominion over this physical world. So you have to be aware that what you are emanating leaves a trail and it affects everything around you. Um, so if you were at work and you had a bad day, when you come home, even without saying a word, your pet is going to be the first one to realize that you're in a bad mood. And it's because they've been sensitized to this. And science has proved through experiments with plants and water crystals. And, well, every time science does an experiment, it cooperates the word and disproves it to be true, which is so cool. But for even the whole creation, all of nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. 
that nature and creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children, Romans 8, 19, and 21. So love is the key that creation will respond to and heaven will work with to unleash power and authority. So this is the season for unprecedented signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> okay, and there is a thing actually called the sound of unity. And what I'm referring to is a place where the throne of God will literally come down upon a corporate people who have one focus alone, alone the presence of Jesus. And so I really want to incorporate that on the Friday night, and I have a thing actually to do with the sound of unity. But we know like in Second Chronicles chapter 5, how when they all came into one accord and they had that sound of unity, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And then on Pentecost, when they were all in one accord, the fire fell. <laughs> so I believe we're going to see in this city in this season, whole cities, regions, and even nations overrun by the power of heaven, evidenced by a release of the sound of heaven on earth. Angelic armies will descend with the sound of fire and wind that will unleash the spirit of revival over cities that will literally change the culture as we know it. The multitudes will come to the brightness of our rising, Isaiah 60, and spiritual hunger will be the catalyst of these suddenlies of God. The the Lord will literally release the roar of his voice over a region, and the earth will shake as all of heaven breaks loose. And we know there's been a lot of earthquakes lately, even in North Carolina. So God is raising up an end-time warrior bride that will move by the impulses of his heart, and they will speak only what they hear the Father speaking. And when this happens, such power and authority will be released that the world will recognize and respond to Jesus. And this is happening right now. God is preparing his church to display such power and glory like the world has never seen before. And Jesus Christ will be glorified in and through the church in these last days. So, so there is a supernatural power that's released in praise that alters both the physical and the non-physical realm. When the praises go up, the glory comes down. It's that simple. If we're going to see the necessary breakthrough in our personal lives, churches, cities, regions, and nations, then we need to understand the subatomic power of praise. So sound is an amazing force. Ray Hughes says if you put a pair of 30-inch speakers connected to a tone generator, you can generate a tone low enough to literally and physically move a building off of its foundation. So we're continually in the presence of ultrasonic and subsonic sound waves. So ultra is above, so that's above the threshold of our hearing, and sub is below, below the threshold of our hearing, but just because we can't hear it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because it does. So the speed of sound is the distance traveled between a unit of time by a sound wave. In dry air, 68 degrees Fahrenheit, the speed of sound is 1,126 feet per second, 
or 768 miles per hour, or approximately one mile in five seconds. In aerodynamics, the sound barrier usually refers to the point at which an aircraft moves from transonic to supersonic speed. The term came into use during World War II when a number of aircraft started to encounter the effects of compressibility, a collection of several unrelated aerodynamic effects that struck their planes like an impediment to further acceleration. By the 1950s, new aircraft designs started to routinely break the sound barrier. So if you have a whip, it goes faster than the speed of sound, and it makes a noise, and so that's literally a sonic boom. It was in the X-1 that Chuck Yeager was credited with being the first man to break the sound barrier in level flight on October 14, 1947, flying at an altitude of 45,000 feet. So prior to Chuck Yeager's success, there were many failed attempts to break the sound barrier, most of which resulted in fatal or near-fatal crashes. So in order to break the sound barrier, one would have to push through the resistance, the nose of the plane, by thrusting forward. As the plane would begin to break the barrier, water vapor and pressure would move to the tail of the craft, and as full penetration would occur, the barrier of resistance would become the catalyst of sonic thrust, causing it to catapult forward and create what is known today as the sonic boom. So at the point of reaching the sound barrier, one can either let off the pressure and go back to what is comfortable and predictable, or you can thrust forward to where few have gone before and break through into the sonic boom level. So if you think about that in your own life, and I believe what the Lord was showing me that every person has at least gone through this once, if not several times, where you feel like, like you're making progress and you're believing and going along good and you just like you hit this invisible wall and, and it's like you keep doing it. So several things could happen. You can crash and burn if you give in to disappointment. You can settle. And I'll just fly around down here. Or like what I feel like the Lord was showing me in one instance where I was trying I would regroup and try again, and I was trying on my own and plus trying the same thing. So instead of trying to pray that thing away, the very thing that the enemy wants to harm you and stop you with is also the very thing that is your catalyst for going catapulting up into the stratosphere with the Lord. So you pray for heaven's strategy so you can catapult up. So... Praise means to commend, applaud, or magnify. So for us as Christians, that means we humble ourselves and we magnify the Lord. And there's many ways to do that. You can verbally praise the Lord, sing, play musical instruments, dance, kneel. Um, but what's really important is your heart. So the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking just such people as these, as his worshipers, John 4, 23. So for me, it's about a, a lifestyle and realization that God's always with us. So it's not just here and there, but it's a, a real genuine thing. 
So there's also a sound that can be so high that it breaks glass or shatters windows. So when we praise God and his presence is manifest in our praise, that shatters the enemy because the enemy can't stand in the presence of the Lord. So the key to the end time church to becoming a praise appraising people is to stop nothing short of the manifest presence of Jesus, which is my heart's desire for this Friday night that we just keep going. Um, this next part actually talked about Second Chronicles chapter 20, and which has always been one of my very favorites, and I have put into practice many times over the years. Um, but it's basically just praying, fasting, letting God fight your battle, take your position, stand still, believe in the Lord, and in his prophets and praise and thank him. And the strategy was to send the worshipers out in front of the army. So what's really cool is a couple of weeks ago, B was sharing at our intercessors, intercessors that she believed the strategy for the year 2020 was Second Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, so Pastor Tom was like, well, let me read actually Second Chronicles 20, verse 20. And it says, early the next morning, the army of the Lord went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets, and you will succeed. So what the word that popped out to him was Tekoa. So he's like, we need to find out what Tekoa means. And so Pat Walls looked it up, and Tekoa means trumpet. <laughs> so God always has a strategy for us, and he even has strategies from way back before just forever. And so we need to be encouraged by the fact that even as awful as things sometimes seem now in the world, God does have a strategy for that. We just need to seek him. And I believe that's one of the things that's going to happen that comes out of Friday night is that we're going to be able to get a specific strategy from the Lord. And this next part is really cool. It's Isaiah 22, 22. And when I was reading about this, that very week, Pastor Thomas sent out a video to a lot of the intercessors from Dutch Sheets. And it was about an hour long, but one of the things he said was that Isaiah 22, 22 is his life first. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then the next morning, which was Wednesday morning, my awesome husband, Ron, sent out his devotional from Bill Johnson, and it was about the angels ascending and descending on Jacob. And then Diana actually, during intercessors, prayed that scripture as well. So I'm like, oh, there's really something on this. So I need to take note about this. But it's the key of David principle, and it relates to the descending throne of God that rests not only over our cities and regions, but over our very lives. As we offer up high praises to God, we connect on a level far greater than we realize. 
We literally become supernatural gateways of light that the glory of God flows through, bringing power, revelation, miracles, and everything needed for that particular atmosphere. And the key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulder. He shall open, and no one shall shut. He shall shut, and no one shall open. And I will fasten him like a peg or a nail to a firm place, and he will become a throne of honor and glory to his father's house. And he was saying that Isaiah saw a company of believers, which he called a glory company that would be like this. And I was like, I believe that the Lord was showing me that's some people, a company of believers at Global River Church. So this part, I want to actually prophesy over us that I believe that we are this glory company. We will not only possess the keys of the kingdom, but we'll understand how to use them. We will be able to speak in every situation, both to the natural and the supernatural realm, and be able to open doors that no man can shut and shut doors that no one can open. We will move with unlimited anointing and authority because we possess revelation knowledge of the blueprints of heaven with an understanding of our position and inheritance in the kingdom. Yes. Yes. So thank you, Lord. And uh, I've definitely been using my keys lately, and I want to do that on Friday night. And it's it's very empowering instead of being frustrated by what's going on in the world. So Jesus replied, because I said to you, I saw you beneath the fig tree. Do you believe in and rely on and trust in me? You shall see greater things than this. Then he said to him, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you all, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. John 1, 50 through 51. So Isaiah said we can rise from the depression or the noise of the earth and come into the glory. Darkness covers the earth and the people, but his glory shall be seen on you when we rise and shine. Then the nations will come to the light they see on us. Even kings will come to the brightness of our rising. But we must rise above. We must ascend and live from above. So there's levels of ascension whenever you're in a meeting. And the level of ascension is the level of praise. So that can be the difference between migraines being healed and body parts being recreated. And of course, the secret is to praise, praise, praise until you and your region are changed. And Jesus raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, 6. So it's about looking up to Jesus, rising up, realizing you're seated with him, and then looking down onto the world. And you can't rule anything down here until you live with the revelation that that's where you're seated. Uh, the elements don't have to listen to you. Sickness and disease don't have to listen to you. Demons don't have to listen to you. But they will listen to the authoritative voice of those sons and daughters who know their position, their place, and from where they rule. 
So you can't shift anything down here unless you understand where you're seated, and that's the seat of government. So arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and dense darkness all peoples. But the Lord shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen on you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Isaiah 61 through 3, which I believe that was what the painting is kind of portraying. Uh, so when you're in that place, when you're in God's presence like that, you know that you can ask him anything, and he will do it. Um, you just have to simply understand your position and be humble and willing. And when you're in that place, that's when the chains fall and your mindset chains and changes and you become transformed. So this part is like really cool. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago, my wonderful husband, Ron, was at a board meeting and he was remarking to me the next day that someone had said, why are there so many engineers on the board? Like almost all of them except for two are an engineer. And when he said that, I was like, there's something prophetic about that. I just know. And then when I was going over this again, the Lord was like, this is where it fits in. So I looked up the word engineer, and as a noun, it's a person who designs, builds, or maintains engines, machines, or public works. As a verb, to design and build a machine or structure. Public works means the work of building such things as roads, schools, and reservoirs carried out by the government for the community. And so this is really cool in light of what's coming next. And I believe the Lord was speaking to me that there is an elite core of engineers at Global River Church. And we have a mission from God, I believe, through that. And if we remember about the word for 911, um, so it's a call to pray and to decree, which we're going to do Friday night. And it's a call for worshiping like David. And we are definitely going to get more undignified than this. <laughs> um, but this is the part that after I read this popped out to me. Um, it's restoration and rebuilding of God's design, restoration of promise, rebuilding of God's original intention, repair and healing of brokenness, and repairing of broken kingdom structures, strategies, and connections. So I believe we are called to build a brand new world. The generation we're living in <clears throat> is looking for something much greater than what the church has been offering it. They don't want to grow up to be like their mothers and fathers. They're a passionate generation looking for the real thing. It's not enough just to tell you to give your life to Jesus and hang on and just go to heaven. They need to know that they are being prepared for something much more glorious. They need to know that they will build a brand new world with him and will live to rule nations on the earth. Not only that, but the universe as well. The transformation of the earth is the beginning place 
What about when the earth is completely transformed and the kingdom of God has been expanded as far as it can be on the earth? What then? I'm telling you, this is just the beginning. There are galaxies yet to be brought under the dominion of the kingdom of God by us. Right now, it's important that this generation understands that they are being fashioned for something much greater than to be just mere Christians who hold on until the return of Jesus. This is not enough for them. God has all this in mind. We will restore the whole planet. So how is God going to recreate this present world? I believe we're a big part of restoring of all things. We are a major part of speaking, decreeing, and unleashing the government of God here on the earth, both now and in the reign to come. And I've put my words in your mouth and have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may fix the new heavens as a tabernacle and lay the foundations of a new earth and say to Zion, you are my people, Isaiah 51, 16. We are God's earthly ambassadors. We are the ones who implement his government on the planet. Psalm 115, 16 says the heavens are the Lord's heavens but the earth he has given to the children of men. The heavens belong to God. Heaven is God's throne. It was made for God. It was made for the spirit realm. It was made for the supernatural. Heaven belongs to God, but the dominion of earth belongs to man. So if, Amy, if you will come up, please. So tonight, I just... Ask Amy to come and just to play, and we could all just be in the Lord's presence and have that personal encounter, and then come on Friday night, and um, we're just going to have an awesome time in the Lord and decree and declare and believe God to do mighty and awesome things in our region and this country. Before Amy plays... Um I'm literally wound up right now. I don't know about y'all, but I'm like, I'm pretty wound up. Um, several things have been clicking. Uh, encouragement. I wrote down every scripture you said. You did not mention Isaiah 61, but all along this whole thing, I'm hearing Isaiah 61, and that's a significant scripture. I don't know how many know this for our church, but it's been with me ever since I decided to... Uh, actually follow the Lord with, with gusto. Um, when I was flying at um, 30,000 feet on a way to a, an interview back in uh, the late, late 90s, the Lord gave me that scripture. And then the first church I was actually uh, pastoring at in Georgia, I found out later that the church was founded on Isaiah 61. It was their principal scripture. Uh, like ours is, um, is Ezekiel 47, the river. Um, but then it's all marked up. I just have some uh, dates here. Leif Hetland came here in August 23rd of 09, and he prophesied that this uh, Global River Church was an Isaiah 61 church. And then um, I went, there was another time in March 2797, it was actually given. And then um, the church in at Gwinnett Vineyard in, in Georgia. And so let's listen to what if you think about Mary, what Mary Esther's been saying, let me just read this from the King James Version. You know, we have do a lot of deliverance and inner healing, in fact, every week. And we saw one even yesterday that was just a mind-blowing experience from a, a lady from another church. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember this from Jesus 
when he prophesied and read the scroll, right? The Spirit of the, of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim the liberty of the captives and opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to point unto them who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. You said that multiple times. Yes. And so as they shall appear, the waste cities, the desolation of many generations, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vineyard dressers, your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles and the glory shall be upon those who boast. For ye shall... For your shame shall have, you have a double portion, and your confusion you shall no longer rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For the, love, the Lord loves judgment and hates robbery. For the burnt offering I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. As you started to speak the other night, um, two nights ago, um, I was awakened, like jolted awake at 3.33 in the morning. I mean, awakened, and I have this call. I said, okay, that has a significant meaning. Call to me, and I'll answer you and show you. When the Lord wants to share secrets with me, he does that to me. He's done that as a pattern. Getting zapped right now. Um, I said, okay, Lord, there's some secrets you want to share, but I don't know what it is that I'm supposed to call to you and ask you to share with me right now. So I want to know what you want me to ask because you want to share a secret. And, uh, and I fell back to sleep. I started going through some, you know, in my mind, well, maybe it's that and that, and boom. And again, uh, not the same jolting, but at 555, I was awakened again, which is divine favor. It's the, divi it's the divine, it's the three. Five meaning uh, favor. So there's this divine favor of secrecy. And I believe what, is, what I'm being revealed to now is we have stood to help others come out of their mess. We've done it all over the globe. And we've done it here. And the Lord wants to reveal the secrets. And part of the secret is entering the glory company, entering into the place of praise. The fire of God will come. So I'm asking all of you who have come here tonight, you've invested tonight, Prepare your hearts for Friday night. Don't come in here with any junk, please. We want a remnant that is going to come in here, and we're going to worship until it breaks. We're going to worship till it breaks. And so, Lord, I just uh, we just come before you. We want to be positioned. We want the revelation of God to come. Like in that Second Chronicles 2020, there's a trumpet sound. It's the put the worshipers out front and watch God fight the battle. There was a prophetic revelation that was given to Hezekiah in that. So, Lord, we ask now that you would release revelatory dreams and visions, that you would prepare your bride for such a time as this, O oh God, that we would come and we would bask because there are 
nations, people groups, individuals that need to be touched by this glory company before you come back. So we thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, do your work. We are listening. Your, your servants are listening. We're de- inclining our ears to hear. I ask you to break every defilement. There was a powerful breaker anointing this morning in prayer, in our intercession, powerful breaking anointing against demonic forces. And God, I thank you now in the name of Jesus that the glory company is waiting for your presence to come. Prepare your bride now. Cleanse us from all defilements, all unrighteousness, all of the junk of the flesh. Get us prepared, Father. May this be a resting place Friday night for you to come. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being with a glory company of people. They're treasure hunters. One other thing, the Lord gave me a right after that in the morning when I got up, I said, Lord, what do you want me to share? And I opened to Jeremiah, I was headed to Jeremiah 33, 3, and I got stuck in Jeremiah 31, which is the new covenant. It is there's a time coming when God will write upon their hearts and remove the stony places. I will write upon their hearts. I will establish the covenant. I will do the work. That's what's, and I'm going to preach this Sunday. I didn't know what you were going to share, but I know God is on this. He is on this if we'll prepare for it. Come, God. Just keep filling in my spirit a picture of the Lord walking through the room, and maybe this is a little foreign, a little strange, the way you usually lay out before the Lord. I just challenge you, I encourage you to just listen to that invitation by the Spirit, calling you into that intimate place where we pull everything aside and just be still. As he walks, just picture him walking through the room. Maybe this is your regular discipline and maybe it's not. But I just feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit as he's just sitting stirring within this place. He is so pleased with his people. He wants to reveal himself so much more.
Jeremiah 31, 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant, it will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember again their sin. It is the Lord who provides the sun to the light of day, the moon, the stars to light the night, who stirs the seas into roaring waves. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. And this is what he says, I am as likely to reject my people Israel as to abolish the laws of nature. This is what the Lord says, just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored. So I will not consider casting them away for the evil they have done, I, the Lord, have spoken. The day is coming, says the Lord, when all Jerusalem will be rebuilt for me. From the tower of Anal to the corner gate, the measuring line stretched over the hill of Gareb across Goa, and the entire area, including the graveyard, the ash dump, the valley, the fields out through the Kidron Valley on the east, as far as the horse gate will be the holiness of the Lord, and the city never again will be destroyed. God, I ask that you would write this truth upon the hearts. Remove all the stony places, Lord. We have been grafted in. Paul told us in the Romans, that book of Romans, that as the wild branch we have been grafted in. Now we are with the one new man. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 2, Jew, Gentile. So we've been grafted in all the promises of Abraham. Paul told us in Galatians 3, all the inheritance belongs to us as well. Children of the Most High God. God, I ask that you would release. We call to you, Lord. We ask that you'd reveal the secrets over worship. That Friday night, we would set aside the night. We would set that night aside to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, would you clean up all the areas, the messes, the that all defilements, that no one would come in here carrying any garbage, God. Let, let us be in a place where we walk through the threshold. You said you would forgive. You would do the work. You. So, God, as we prepare and we come before you, let us worship you in spirit and truth. I pray for the worshipers, for the dancers, for the intercessors, for the musicians, for, Lord, all of it would be put together that the key of David, there was a promise given that there would be a place where the key of David, the worshipers, would come. So, Lord, let your glory come for your purpose, Lord.
Let us love you beyond ourselves. We thank you for this privilege, Lord. Thank you for the preparation of your word, the cleansing and the washing of the water of the word. And we take authority over anything that would try to hinder. No sickness, no torment, no witchcraft, that no scheme, no tactic. Lord, you undo, outdo, and overdo any plan the enemy would have. We just plead the blood of Jesus to surround this place. Let it burn. I've heard them say that they sometimes have to call the fire department because it looks like it's on fire. God, I don't know. I don't want you to burn it down. But I'm asking you, Lord, to release the fire of your presence. Release the fire of your presence, Lord. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. We bless the Spirit and Truth dancers, Mary Esther, Ron, all those in preparation, the AV, the sound, Lord, protection and covering in the blood of Jesus, that no weapon formed will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you. Invite whoever's supposed to be here, Lord. Bring them, put hooks in their nose and bring them in. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Praise the Lord. Bless America. Is that what you want to say?